0: Shock and horror sweeps the nation as the identities of thousands of unfaithful spouses are revealed in the Ashley Madison hack without a single professional footballer being named as of yet. And the Black Monday crash has wreaked havoc in the financial world, making Dow Jones the only organisation to drop more points in an afternoon than Tottenham. It's August 27th and you're listening to Talking Trotters. Welcome to Talking Trotters, the only Bolton Wanderers podcast guilty of grand embezzlement. My name is Alistair Sledge, and we've got a great show for you tonight. Sean Hockett will be joining us and we start with the only place you'd expect us to.
1: Forward to Dobby, back to uh, Davis
0: just outside the penalty area. Lovely pass yes. now, Dobby works the yes. right
2: What a fabulous
0: goal. While well, the deadlock's broken. Wanderers have finally ended the barren spell and it's Stephen Dobby who's come off the bench. Well, Wanderers' favourite pantomime villain was met with a surprisingly silver reception, as it seems that Bolton fans have more important things to worry about, but luckily for you, I don't. The game began as expected, with Forrest on the front foot lobbing balls forward to Antonio. Antonio had a surprisingly quiet performance for someone who will be later described as the best player in the championship, as it looked like he didn't care at all about anything. At half-time, Wanderers looked the more promising, but still no goal. Matt Mills' return to the club was marked with him conceding a penalty as he brought down Clough in the area. It was quite a weak penalty, but then again Medine should have had one in the first half, so calmer. Medine was the one who took it, and his very weak shot was batted away. The rebound was even worse. Uh, Then, in the 81st minute, Forrest scored, which put half of Bolton on suicide watch. It was a spectacular goal, a 35-yard stunner from Vaughan. Nothing Amos or anyone could do about it. And then, with four minutes on the clock, Friedman took off a striker and put on a defender, making it six on the field. The Bolton lads saw the cue, and they knew what the inevitable result was, as it's textbook Friedman. They knew what they had to do. Stephen Dobby, who is the honorary Dragon Scalier, scored from just outside the box. Judging from the angry tweets of Forest fans, Stephen Dobby is something of a bogey player. And the game finished up 1-1, as if you didn't know, and there are plenty of positives to take from the game. Like that it turns out we can score. And joining me to go through the game this week is Sean Hockett, the man behind Bold's Tinted Spectacles. How are you doing, Sean? I'm
1: oh, good, thank you. How are you?
0: I'm not too bad. So, I think I am the happier person after this weekend's result. Uh, can you tell me how you reacted to it?
1: Well... You know, it's what Steve and Dobby does. You know, he scores <laughs> goals against us. And, uh, you know, as, as Doogie said after the match, it was probably the the result that that was a deserved result for, for both teams. But clearly your manager thought you should win. you now know, it's, it's, 18 it's really... shots
0: off target. You must feel a little bit bitter sometimes. But, uh, <laughs> well, we
1: do. Uh, bitter's probably not the word I would use, but uh, <laughs> <laughs> there we go. It's one of those things, isn't it? I, I mean, you know... Looking at it in the, in the overall picture, yeah, I think 1-1 was a fair result.
0: Right. Uh, so, obviously, as you're aware, two ex-Bolton people returning, Doddy Friedman and Matt Mills. Uh, yeah. First off, we were all very surprised to hear that you don't dislike Matt Mills as a fan base. Can you just go into that a bit? How's he been in the uh, first few games of the season?
1: OK. So, yeah, I saw him uh, have a good game against Stevenage, pop up and score a goal. Um, thought he looked OK against Swansea as well. Well, he was... Um, I think he's looking as solid as Jack Hobbs did when he first joined us. Um, you know, he's. Uh, I like him. I think he's good. I mean, you know, a bit one pace, I suppose. Got a 10 circle of a oil tanker to a certain degree, but he's, he's solid and he's big, and that's what we need. He's going to put himself about a bit. So um, I like him. I think mm. he's a good acquisition.
0: Uh, you might start to notice that he's uh, very accomplished in the field of uh, pointing at people and shouting. That's, uh, <laughs> Do You know, what, I've not noticed
1: that, players. to be honest. I, saw, I went to the Charlton game and thought he, he played himself in the really well and um, headed the ball really well against their gargantuan Danish striker. And commanded commanded the line quite well. I, I you know I was pleasantly surprised. Let's let's hope it continues. I'll find out because I've got a season ticket, so we'll
0: see yeah. how it gets on <laughs> for the season. Yeah, that will be good to watch. Now, of course, I'm sure this was inevitable. Uh, Dougie Friedman. So, you you've described yourself on your blog as a uh, half glass full kind of guy. So yeah, uh,
1: absolutely.
0: So how would you rate? The Scotsman's tenure so far?
1: Well, I think he's probably going to turn out to be better than the previous Scotsman we've had, and we've had a few of them. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, Calderwood and McLeish, and obviously Mr. Davis on a couple of occasions. Um, and, the, and I think the difference between our current Scotsman and that previous one is that he looks like he's got the best interests of the club at heart. I like what he's trying to do. You know, I like the fact that he's given the youth a chance once again. When we played Charlton, we ended up with three academy graduates on the pitch, Walker, um, Oliver Burke and George Grant. I like him. I like what he does. You know, where I sit, I see him on the bench, sitting next to Lenny Lawrence. I think Lenny Lawrence is quality. I remember him. You won't be old enough to remember Lenny Lawrence. I remember when he was manager of Charlton. I think it's a good setup. Um, Yeah, I'm looking forward to the rest of the season. Let's hope he's going to be there for it.
0: (laughs) Mm. I, I've got to say, I'm quite surprised that you uh, you speak of his uh, kindness to youth players because he had quite a bad rep with our. Academy. So I gather, yeah. Well, <laughs>
1: and I find as, uh... that I do find that surprising, to be honest. I mean, watching some games uh, last towards the end of last season as well, he gave um, Tyler Walker his debut, um, and the way he he acted with him on the on the touchline before we went on the pitch you know, really encouraging, um, looked like he was saying all the right things to him. I was really impressed. I thought, you know, he looked looked the part and certainly looked like he was giving the right amount of encouragement to a young boy that was going to come on and make his debut for a big, you know, for a club that his dad played for.
0: Mm. Uh, Obviously with those two players that featured against Forrest, Zach Clough and Josh Vela, they were two of the figureheads of I don't want to say oppression, but uh, Friedman's style with the youth team.
1: (laughs) Oppression, very good.
0: At at, at our club, he quite frequently said, You know, young so and so isn't quite ready yet. And um, it was a shame, really, because as soon as Lennon came in and we had that managerial change, uh, Vela became almost undroppable and uh, Zach uh, became a debut and is now one of the star players in our club and possibly mm. even one of the star players in the league or at least we thought mm. he would be but um, it's not so far working for him yet
1: uh, well in fairness you know he he has said you know this season that you know perhaps Sunso isn't quite ready for regular first team play but you know from what I've seen so far who he's putting on the bench and who he's given opportunities to you know when Antonio's head wasn't in the game because his head was turned with this, you know, speculation. He, he you know, had no uh, second thoughts in sticking on the Burke on, and he's only just turned eighteen. And you know, uh, uh, that's he, he could have made it easier for himself and put you know, Chris Burke on. He's, you know, th- knocking on for thirty-two now mm. on the right, and Jamie Ward on the left. But he didn't, and um, you know, I, I applaud that.
0: Fair enough. Uh, that is again still quite um, quite a shocking revelation. I must ask, do you have any club legends currently, people that you deem to be club legends playing for you?
1: What, out of the youngsters?
0: Oh, no, well, maybe in the future, but currently maybe golden oldies that are uh, entering the final years of their career.
1: Well, I mean, the problem we've got, obviously, is our ever-expanding injury list, a bit like a middle-aged person's ever-expanding waistline. (laughs) Uh, So, you know, we've got Andy Reid, who's what is an academy graduate, you know, we sold him to Spurs along with Michael Dawson, and he's he's back now. And you know he he you know he's a legend as far well as I'm concerned. It's just a shame that he's he's had this nickel injury that he can't shake off. He played the under 21s again this week, and hopefully gets back. Chris Curran, who we got from Yeovil, um, he's probably 27, 28 now. Might be a little bit old. He's been with us I think about seven years, and you know he's club captain. You know he's he's a bit like a forest stick of rock now. You, know, you don't know what to do without him. We have obviously because he's had three crucial ligament injuries in the space for about five years. And um you know, those two in particular, you know, at the core of our team, you know, make us tick and we have missed them. But injuries are injuries, you know, you've got people that've got to step up and take the place. You know, as a playmaker, Reed's fantastic Lansbury would like I'd like to see him be a bit more of a playmaker. He he's coming into his own now I think. He's certainly picked his game up this season. He wasn't showing as much as he should have done towards the end of last season. So I would say Reed and Cohen but I'd like to think Reid's got another year or two left. Chris Kane, if he can get through this latest injury, another two or three years. But I think Jack Jack Hobbs is going to be around for a bit longer as a central defender. That and as yeah, we can keep hold of somber longer, once he's injured and he's scoring goals again, hopefully. <laughs>
0: mm, I think he did a. Was it? Yeah, it was him that scored a double against us last season.
1: Yeah.
0: Uh, when Freedman was manager. That was a pain. Uh, but no, why bring up uh, the elderly as such. Uh, is Friedman had quite a bad rap for how he treated our uh, Kevin Davies in the final, um, in the final months and, of his career at Bolton.
1: Was and, he... Uh, um, to, sorry, if I ask you a question then. So when Friedman took over for you, because then he was with you for that unfortunate start to the season where you only scored um, one again, um, hmm. in that summer break, was that when Davies left?
0: Yeah, it was that season. And yeah. uh, it was the season where we were at one goal away from going into the playoffs ahead of Leicester. Because if yes. we scored on the Blackpool game, which was a two two draw, uh then we would have then we would have made it. But no, Kevin Davies uh he was kind of very quickly shifted from first team player to, you know, not even in match day squad. And on the last game we kind of wanted him to just even go out for the last twenty minutes and have a runabout, but he didn't. And a lot of people were very frustrated with the way the exit was handled because he was released and it was almost as if the club didn't even know who he was. But uh, that's something to watch out for. And the final thing to watch out for is Lukas Jukovic. Uh, A rumoured deal, uh, which is a trade swap with Henry Lansbury to Burnley and Lukas Jukovic coming in the other way. Uh, That's something that our very own Mark Isles Uh, talked about when he featured on our main podcast, and he talked about how important Jutkovic was to Friedman's plans for the season uh, of 2014-2015, his last season. Uh, And when he didn't get him, it kind of imploded all around him as he had no backup plans, no contingency. Uh, So is that something you may be in danger of? Do you think uh, Friedman could be focusing all of his plans on one particular style or one particular player. Something that was kind of noticeable was uh, centre-backs playing long balls in the general direction of Antonio and hoping for the best. Do you think a plan like that may be being cooked up at Forest?
1: I don't know. I don't, to be honest. And I, I'll tell you why. Um, it's because we played, we played differently when we played against Charlton and, and when Antonio wasn't on the pitch, ironically enough, um... The problem is, you know, Antonio probably is arguably the best player in the Championship um, on his day. Uh, and unfortunately, when he's in the team, it's it's a case of get the ball to Antonio and see what he can do. Um, and we need to have the bravery to, to play it to other players and, and, and bring them into the game as well. Uh, yes, we do play the ball up for him to, you know, chest down, hold it up. You know, turn turn on defenders and run running into boxes and all the rest of that stuff. Um, but you know, when we played Charlton, he wasn't on the pitch. The ball was on the floor more, and there wasn't a long ball game. I don't think. And a lot of a lot of Forest fans don't like Danny Fox, and he's not played for us for a while. And they you know they say he just hoops it up the pitch, and sometimes he does, but sometimes he doesn't. He's actually better when he doesn't. You know, when he's playing balls along the ground and you know bringing players into the, into the play. You know. Um, I don't see I don't see his playing a long ball game because that's not how we play the game. And I think he's he's sensitive to that. He knows that the fans, of forest, want to see the ball played on the ground. And he's I think he's trying to do that. And you can you can and in the three matches well, I've seen two league matches and a cup match so far this season. And, and I can see that kind of coming together. I can see him trying to to make that work. But there's going to be occasions where you know. Doesn't matter what you say on before the match. As soon as those players cross the white line, depending on what's going on in the game, they're going to panic and just want to get rid of the ball and hoof it up the pitch. But um, I'm not, I'm not particularly concerned about us being a, a long ball team, so I don't think that'll happen.
0: And uh, just before we head out, it seems like your chairman has a shoot first, ask questions later approach to uh, managerial appointments. You've gone through quite a few. Uh, yes. So far. Uh, are you worried that maybe if results start to go against you, maybe if you lose either Lansbury or Antonio, uh, that maybe Fawaz might uh, get a little bit trigger itchy? Um,
1: well, once again, you know, I'd like to think not. Um, I can't see us losing Lansbury now. Our chairman's gone on Twitch and he said he's staying. You know, which was the first, unfortunately for Burnley and Sean Dykes was the first they'd heard of it as well. Was the use of social media. I don't particularly agree with that, but. I think the one of the endemic problems of social media at the minute is that we know too much. You know, how do we know how transfers were conducted in the past when there was no social media? You know, I think um, Doogie certainly isn't afraid of making the decisions and, and you know, pissing people off. Uh, you know, he, he, he pulled out on the Michael Frey deal at the last minute when the guys' bags were virtually packed. Apparently, but once again, we only know that because people on Twitter are saying so. And, if enough people shout the same thing, you start to kind of believe it. Um, I don't, you know, we need to stop somewhere. You've had too many managers. You know, I want to see someone have a whole se- I don't. We haven't had a whole season since Fowles has been in charge with the same manager. and That needs to stop. You know, and hopefully it stops with Doogie. And I think it will do because we're in a position where, you know, we can't throw the money about anymore. We've got to have a plan. Mm. Fowles says there is a plan, but, you know whether there is or there isn't. There needs to be one. And I think Duke is the one that's strong enough to say, look, this is the plan. You see, that's what he seemed to be saying towards the end of last season when he got his permanent deal. I've sat down and we've got a plan. We're going to go for it. And patience. You need to be patient. You know, if we make the playoffs this season, that'd be great. Part of me is going to say, yeah, we're going to be automatically promoted, but any fan's going to say that. <laughs> mm. um, will we make the playoffs? I hope so. What if we don't make the playoffs? I don't really mind. Eighth, seventh? ninth perhaps we're moving in the right direction we've got a great squad if we're fully fit you know, on our day we can beat most people unless you're rock bottom of course and then for some reason we turn up and decide we don't need to play football against the teams in the bottom three and we get caught out Mm. You know, I've seen that plenty of times over the years. But I think Fawaz needs some kind of steadying hand on the tiller. Whether that's Agent Bevington, I don't know. But um...
0: And unfortunately, due to technical issues, that is where the interview cuts out. So I'll just have to verbally tell you what happened afterwards. Essentially, we put a bet on that whoever won the preceding rap battle would be the legal owner of the other one's estate, and I crushed him. So if his lawyers are listening, I now own his house. And that's that's legally binding. So, you know. What are you going to do? And now, over to Tom Malloy for the Under-21 Roundup.
2: On the whole, it's been a successful week for the Young Whites... On Saturday, centre-back Alex Finney's return from injury was celebrated with him winning a place on the bench for the first time, seemingly overtaking Rob Holding and Quade Taylor in the pecking order. To the delight of people on Twitter who've never seen him play other than on YouTube, there was also a place in the matchday squad for Jamie Thomas. He was given the number 40 shirt, and if he can do half as well as the last young lad to wear that shirt, then we'll be on to a winner. On to Monday night's game, and the Macron's West Stand, witnessed the eighth wonder of the world, Philip Twardzik playing centre-back. I really have seen it all now. It seemed like Ian Brunskill was trying to shoehorn as many defensive players into the lineup as possible, with Oscar Frohcow playing in midfield alongside now Mayor and Andy Kellett. Kane Woolery's pace lit up the somewhat drab game with a great individual run and goal, but Jamie Thomas couldn't keep up his incredible goal-scoring form, struggling in a somewhat withdrawn role, and was taken off after 70 minutes. The game ended one apiece, after another lovely solo goal from Birmingham's Wes McDonald. Ross Fitzsimmons probably should have done better, but I haven't seen a replay, to be fair. Next up for the lads are Manchester City in the Manchester Senior Cup final in the very neutral surroundings of City's academy ground. This comes after we beat United 1-0 in the semi-final thanks to a Woolery goal last season. I've been Tom Malloy and this has been your Under-21 Roundup.
0: Thanks, Tom. Tom Malloy, everyone. We'll be right back. Welcome back. And now it's time for Abuse the News, where each week, bizarre news stories from all over sport compete to be the most ridiculous for your entertainment. First up, Jermaine Defoe. This isn't a surprise to anyone, I imagine. The Sunderland striker put up an ad on sexinthecity.com for a PA. Applicants must be able to build a global brand for Jermaine Defoe, develop iPhone apps, and potentially develop a new fragrance. So, naturally, we gave him a hand. Sophisticated passionate, strong. These are all words that Jermaine Defoe doesn't understand, but he doesn't need to understand them, because he gets paid £240,000 a month and can waste a week's wages on someone to organise bonfire night and water plants. Defoe, The Fragrance, inspired by cow's asses and banjos. And in the blue corner, the New England Patriots and Deflategate. A court artist had to apologise for the god-awful court sketch she drew of Tom Brady. The photo was released online, and my goodness. I mean, I've told the kid I babysit that his sketches were good, but this, this is a whole new level. Uh, The internet being the internet, were quick to superimpose the quarterback's misdrawn face onto the scream and the closing scenes of E.T. It is odd that it could be so deformed without lowering the air pressure to below 12.5 PSI and using that ball to beat the Colts 45-7. How could you, Brady? You had everything. But but yeah, no, the, the sketch thing. The winner this week is going to be the Defoe story for the media attention that it's got. I don't think it's as bad as some people are saying. Plenty of successful people have PAs, but someone who doubles up as a programmer is a little bit ridiculous. The transfer speculation has died down recently after the securing of Pisano and Silva. However, unconfirmed reports link Bolton with a loan move for Jordan Bowery. The 24-year-old striker used to play for Aston Villa, but signed for Rotherham for their club record fee in 2014. He has five league goals in 28 appearances. Chesterfielder also said to be interested, and Alan Nixon, everyone's favourite groundskeeper Willie impersonator, said that there was no chance, so it might look like we've bowed out of that chase. Oh, come on. 29 year old left back from Spain, Casado, has recently signed for Wanderers. Here's what Neil Lennon said in the presser for Blackburn. Jose Casado was signed to him this week, um, a left back from Spain, a uh,
2: very good player. He's been in China with us for the last 10 days and really impressed us.
0: So the last five years of studying Spanish at my school have led to this moment. Bien viendo, Casado i apparently now have a gcoc in the subject but i'm worried that if i say anything further i'll end up insulting his mother in a language i don't understand in other news the club has taken out a loan and fans are responding to it like they just pawned Zack cloth at cash converters if you are one of the people that are complaining about how little information has been disclosed you must be such a boring football fan As long as it wasn't from Wonga, it's fine, and I don't care. And no, we don't need to dip into the hashtag free alfund fund yet, you muppets. Finally tonight, Kevin Nolan. This morning, he left West Ham by mutual consent and is now without a club. Although it would be great to see him back at Bolton, his wages are huge, and he would only take game time away from Davies and Clough. The only way I could see him coming back is for him to take a huge pay cut and relocate up north to either play a squad player role, which is what he's leaving now, or force young whites out of the side, like Vela and Clayton. He seems ideal for an MLS signing, and so my bet is that he'll be playing with the Yanks faster than you can say if Gartside took a pay cut. By the way, if Gartside did take a pay cut, his wage would be a net contribution to the club of £2 million to balance the books, so no. Gartside, of course, was rumoured to have resigned on Wednesday, but that turned out to be a load of crap. In the morning, I had a segment called "Take Takeopolyps planned, and then it was reduced to Gartgate, and then I settled with the great Twitter kerfuffle of Wednesday morning. All right, that's our show. My thanks to Sean Hockett and, as always, Tom Malloy. Kevin Davies couldn't be with us here this week as someone put him into the Labour leadership election as a joke, but it turns out he's now polling above Liz Kendall. The Whites take on Blackburn on Friday and it's a chance for Wanderers to pick up their first win. I saw some cheeky Blackburn fans on Twitter wanting Whites to win so that Bowert, their unpopular manager, would be fired. There is nothing like a derby where both sets of fans want one side to lose. And if there is one team in the league that could refuse to put Old Yeller out of its misery, it's us. If you gave Gary Medine the pistol, he'd probably still hit the crossbar. I've been Alistair Sledge. Good night.